to the Chris Armas era, the Ali Curtis era. We aren't really sure what to call it yet, but what we do know is that Toronto FC has officially named its eighth head coach. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. This week on the show, it's Chris Armas hour, although we'll have some tidbits, of course, from the recent press conference as well. Maybe a bit of Canadian men's national team on top of that. James Grassi of torontofc.ca will stop by in 10 minutes or so to give us his take on the new hire as well as plenty of other toronto fc things we always get into when we have james on the show uh, before we get into it big shout out to our friend chris blanchette for the new show graphic uh, upgrade here as part of season two the other two faces on that graphic uh jeffrey p nesker and michael singh how are you boys doing this week hey Great, what's going man. on Mitch? uh jeff how do you like your graphic <laughs> Just put them on the spot right away. I'm slowly getting used to it. I mean, it's difficult to get used to cartoon Jeff in any form. So, Hey, man, that's what I was saying. Just seeing yourself in cartoon form is always a bit weird. Shout out to Chris. He's super talented. That looks great. We got an upgrade going into season two. Yeah, absolutely. And as we've said, more upgrades are on their way. That means Jeff won't be on the show for much. No, I'm joking. Toronto FC making maybe an upgrade. We're not sure yet, but anyway, they've they brought in a new head coach. Um, we'd love to get your thoughts as well throughout the show on the Armas hire in the comments section. But uh, let's run through his re- resume quickly so we know a little bit more about him. Began coaching with the Chicago Fire in 2008 as an assistant, but mostly known for his time with the New York Red Bulls organization. He was at since 2015 as assistant, 2018 as a head coach, uh, won the Sporters' Shield that year, and then was let go earlier this past season. Um, a lot of success in MLS as a player on top of that, which, you know, the MLS familiarity was never the question here with Chris Armas. But now that it's official, the you know, the papers have been signed, um we've gotten the opportunity certainly michael you have to talk to him a little bit um let's start with you michael your thoughts on on the the signing on the hire i feel like there's a million different ways that (laughs) we could sort of approach this um of course you know with tron fc um management you know bill bill manning ali curtis um sort of hyping TFC up as a big club. And then, you know, obviously there's names that are are pretty big that are linked with Toronto FC and, you know, from multiple sources as well. And, you know, who probably did go through the hiring process and um, obviously Laurent Blanc and and Patrick Vieira and, you know, more, uh, just uh, more names beyond that, that they, they interviewed. And then, um, Obviously, Chris Armas is was appointed, and it, it's a little bit underwhelming at, at first glance, um, just because you know the reasons that I listed off there. We were sort of led to believe that TFC was kind of heading into this direction where, you know, they could be viewed as one of the biggest clubs in the world. 
Um, and, you know, uh, with a manager that would attract world-class players, potentially, you know, not just, you know, players in, in MLS. And that that was my first impression. It was a little bit underwhelming. But then you, you, you dig a little deeper and you start to listen to what he has to say and um, and why the hiring was, was done. And I think some of those reasons will, will begin to surface later on, but I think that Ali Curtis and Bill Manning did their homework. I think they, they did an extensive process, and I really do believe they think they have someone who is capable of um, pushing Toronto FC and making their team better, especially in, in their sort of vision and specifically Ali Curtis's vision, who's obviously been handed the keys here. And, you know, it, it's Ali Curtis's guy. It, it's to an extent, it's, it's Ali Curtis's gamble where his, <laughs> he's now in the crosshair, Mitch. I think you kind of wrote about that. And, um, if, you know, this doesn't go well, I think blame will be put mostly on Ali Curtis, especially because he's making, the sort of tactical decisions and we're turning the page on a new era. Um, and to go back to Chris Armis, I, I really do believe like his sort of philosophy, his sort of style play was something that Toronto FC were sort of lacking last year. Um, and that is with, with energy, as he said, and with passion. Um, and perhaps that is a, you know, a, a product of what 2020 was. Um, I, don't, I don't think anyone would, would blame Toronto FC for kind of feel, like running out of energy towards the end of that year. But I'm excited to see what that freshness will bring out of the players. And I think there's there's certain players on this roster that Chris Armors will be able to get the best out of. It's just a matter of um, seeing how he'll use certain players that, that haven't been, um, you know, finding the same success under Vanny and if, can he get the best out of them? Um, I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts there, Jeff. Yeah, it would have been... Save- a bit of, of my response because one of my questions for Grassi sort of revolves around the hyperbole that comes out of the front office. But I will, uh, you know, I'll say this. Um, I've watched, I mean, he must have lived in that chair in that living room for 48 solid hours because <laughs> he was he was Zooming with the extra time guys. You know, he did the TFC stuff. It was a it was a full court press as much as a full court press can exist in the in the times of COVID. I loved what he had to say. I absolutely loved what he had to say. I liked, um, you know, as much as the cynic in me will uh, err on the side of, of, of LOL with the Michael Bradley video that was sort of the first thing that dropped, you know. He's cool. He sits at the cool table. Like, you could easily see it that way. Um, or or as, a, as, a, as a kind of panic move by the front office because of the responses on, on, on Twitter and social medias. Um I liked seeing the three-prong attack. Uh, I liked, like I said, I liked what he had to say. Um, outside of that, I mean, you know, we're not exactly a pacey team. And so hearing him talk about, uh, you know, instigating a very high press and a, and a constant press, you know, had me had me doing the arithmetic on how many actual hamstrings TFC's first team has left and whether that's even achievable. Um and then I remembered that the sports science department left with Vanny, so maybe hamstrings, <laughs> hamstrings dying uh, inexplicably in training is now a thing of the past. But that remains to be seen. I mean, look, we you know, it's difficult. It's difficult because we want to see him in action. We want to see smiles and high fives to the team. 
we want to see training sessions. We, you know, we want to see the proof in the pudding and we're not, we're, we, we're not going to get that for a while. So what, you know, we're essentially in a bit of limbo. And yeah. uh, my fear is, you know, how excited can you be? Uh, can we sustain this excitement uh, leading into when we finally kick a ball in, in earnest? And, 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 you know, I, I hope so. And I'd like to think that these, uh, these guys are all professionals and therefore it's not going to affect them in the same way, but, uh, well, yeah, there's a, there's a lot more news coming and I just wanted mm -hmm. to, you brought up something there and that was his sort of his philosophy and the, what he was kind of his high press, for example, or his press, mm -hmm. which is going to become like, uh, <laughs> it's going to become the most common word in TSC lives press. So yeah. <laughs> I want to get your, your guys thoughts and like that coming to Toronto FC, that sort of philosophy. Are you guys excited for that? Or are you guys a little hesitant to see that? What do you guys think? Well, what's interesting, I thought from a lot of the things that he he said was he almost felt, you know, held back or held to a certain standard of, of tactical, you know, nuance just because he was part of that Red Bull system. Like there was constantly people talking to him about, you know, the Red Bulls play this way, they press this way. Um, anytime he didn't really employ the press in a way that that people you know was was kind of similar to what people thought it should look like and and what it should feel like, he was constantly getting criticized. And and there's going to be more freedom at Toronto FC. You know, there isn't the same tactical um, you know emphasis identity. Yeah, yeah, mandate maybe. Yeah, perfect, perfect words. Both of those um, at Toronto FC. There's there's this you know, there's this freedom that he'll have now to try and implement his system. Obviously it's going to be a system that Ali Curtis believes in and we'll bring in those players. But uh, I do think that that makes it, you know, it was an interesting tidbit that he did feel kind of like the Red Bulls were, were really wanting him to play one certain way. Yeah. I mean, he was careful. He was careful because he got asked a lot of questions about his mm -hmm. experiences at the Red Bulls. And I think he was very careful to not, uh, blame his successes or failures to not, he didn't own up to them 100%, but he also didn't uh, exclude himself from the narrative 100%. And I think that that's fair. Um, you know, uh, ask a Red Bulls fan if that's fair, and they'll probably say no, but uh, I think that's fair for the new gaffer stepping in and, and, and getting grilled on, on the hard stuff. Um, I'm going to bring up Will's uh, comment because I, I maybe disagree about this. And uh, that's simply because the first video that left camp was was MB4. So, you know, the hope that Armis is going to come in with a with a keen eye and be able to just separate the wheat from the, the wheat from the chafe and 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 set and set his lineup without any loyalty or adherence to the old guard, I think isn't necessarily 100 percent true because we, sure. you know, the, the first thing we learned about is, you know, little baby Bradley. Was, was going to training sessions and, and Chris Armis and him have a, have a longstanding relationship. Well, you know, I mean, if we were looking for a guy to do what Vanny couldn't, which is, you know, uh, potentially tell these guys that they don't get to start whenever they feel like it. I don't necessarily know if, if Armis is that guy either. Mm -hmm. For those like listening to this, uh, perhaps afterwards, if you guys didn't catch Will's comment, he was just saying, "Oh yeah, uh, sorry." <laughs> it's it's hard to draw conclusions with the new coach, other than I think it's good news for the young guns, aka Bradley not playing every single minute. Um, you know, is Chris Armis going to be the guy to tell Michael Bradley he's not playing ninety minutes in a match? 
That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the question marks we'll, we'll perhaps have to keep an eye on as the season does begin. Is is, Grad, is Michael Bradley's role going to perhaps be reduced? Or was 2020 kind of a, a blip for Michael Bradley because of all the injuries he endured? And is he going to go back to being that that beast, that machine he is in the middle that we know he he has been and could be? Um, hey, who knows? And, and that's, something, again, something we'll keep an eye on. Yeah, does Armour yeah. system protect him from being exposed so often in that number six role, which is our major rationale for for calling out Bradley sometimes post game? Right? Is he is he going to line up the squad in a way that doesn't leave Bradley so isolated there in terms of sweeping duties and that sort of stuff? Hey, he he was a defensive midfielder in his day, right? So that's that's I mean that's his mo. Yep, that's true. James is here now, so we'll bring him on. But what I will say. Before we get to him, um, it's a big prove-it season for Toronto FC. You know, we've got Ali Curtis has to prove that his plan is is the right one. Armas has to prove that he can implement that plan. We've got Bradley and Josie who have big things to prove considering, you know, what they're being paid, their status with this club. Um, there's a lot of guys going into the season hungry to, to prove people wrong. So I think that's going to be a, a massive, you know, theme for, for this season. Yeah, and TFC has done really, really well with uh, players and staff with chips on their shoulders. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt, guys. Yeah, this talent times the energy and passion. Hey, it could be a, it could be a great combination. There you go. We got a we got a bit of a math equation to uh, to bring into this season Keep uh, you guys as well. On your yeah. Toes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's, let's get James on if he uh, if he is yeah. There you go. Oh, now joined by Mr. James Grassi, Toronto. <laughs> always, always a you know great time when we uh, get to pick your brain for all things Toronto FC. One hundred. Good, good to see you, boys. Thanks, James. Thanks for joining us, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, all right, let's let's, let's get yeah, into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you probably had to know the first question we were going to ask you. Um, you know, your thoughts on. Toronto FC making Chris Armas their their eighth head coach and and what that means for the club going tenth forward, head coach, isn't it? Tenth head no. coach, yeah, yeah. Two or interim? I don't I don't count the interims. Sorry, <laughs> Chris Cummins. What a what a hipster pick! Oh my god, he's right, guys. Actually, <laughs> that's a future trivia question, Stumper. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think like everyone else, I was a little bit surprised when when Chris Armas was first announced. We'd uh, We'd sort of let our imaginations run away with, with us and, and imagining what was possible. But, you know, since then and having spoken to him, I think it's grown on me a little bit as as the right pick for right now with this team, you know. Um, you know, we all sort of got, you know, led down the garden path when it comes to the possibility of Patrick Vieira coming in and, and all those sort of big names. Um and and if I go back to, to the day that Greg Vanny left, if you if you twisted my arm and made me make a list of three to five guys who, who could possibly step into that role right away, you know, Armis's name would have been one of those guys, hmm. you know, alongside Ben Olsen, alongside a guy like Wilmer Cabrera, just because they know the league, they know the teams, they know the players, they can they can jump in and, and take over an MLS side and and get off on the right foot right away. Uh, I, I think what brought me around to thinking this is the right choice is that this isn't a team that's looking for a new identity. This isn't a team that's looking for wholesale changes right now. This is a team that's sort of, they're in win-now mode. They've got a bunch of experienced players who are at the end of their careers and they're looking to, to reach the playoffs and they're looking to lift MLS Cup. And anytime you bring in a new coach with new ideas and, and the bigger the name, the the more rigid those ideas can be about about how things are going to go forward, that that maybe this is the right pick to 
to shepherd this group on to, uh, you know, the next year or two and, and see sort of where things go. You know, um, I, I sort of cast my mind back. The Vieira thing, while tempting, because we all know he's a, he's a soccer gentleman, if ever there was one. Uh, look at how the Atlanta DeBoer experience played out, where, where DeBoer came in with a team that was a winner and, and he couldn't set aside the rigidity of how he wanted to go about things in honor in, in in lieu of what was best for that group of players that he had right there. And it sort of crashed and burned spectacularly. And, you know, whether, whether that would have happened here with Vieira, who knows, you know, he has his MLS experience. He's, he's perhaps a little more familiar with it, but this is a group of players that just needs a hand on the wheel. They don't need somebody to reinvent the car right now. You know, coming from Red Bulls, the, the obvious question to ask him was, uh, was, um, you know, how how does he see this team improving? How does he see his vision impacting with this group of players? And and the one word response that he had was energy. You know, and I think if we look back to last year, there were a lot of times. And, and granted, last year was a strange year for a whole lot of reasons, and guys were justifiably tired at times. But you know, the words like plodding and words like uninspired and meandering were some of the things that we could we could describe to that TFC attack, especially once they hit the halfway mark and sort of anytime they, they broke away from defenders, they seemed to hold up and, and wait for guys to get back in position just to have to do it all over again. And mm-hmm. you know, sacrificing sacrificing opportunity for possession was something that, that was a little too comfortable for the team last year. And so if Armas can come in and bring a little bit of that bulldog mentality and up the tempo and up the intensity as he sort of you know, promised, and, and this this team has the potential to be a lot more ruthless in attack than we saw them last year. And you know, to be fair to Greg Vanny, he he preached a lot of those same things last year. It wasn't it wasn't that he didn't have that that idea in his mind. It was just for some reason it wasn't coming off. And you know, maybe after five six years of Vanny barking at everybody, it's a good idea to have somebody else lighting a fire under there, under their behinds. And you know, I think I think the biggest takeaway. Biggest takeaway of this whole thing was was something that Laura Armstrong hit on in her piece was that you know this is now this is now Bill Manning and Ali Curtis's team. You yep. know, Gre- Greg Vanny had a lot of sway in that room, and he was very much the face of the club for for those five six years. And so, you know, for the first time in in a long time, and perhaps the only time in TFC history, we actually have a front office that each person has approved or been on board for the hiring of the person below them, which yeah. is which is going to be something. You know, that's probably the way that it should happen. I, I don't have a lot of front office experience, but I imagine that, that uh, you know, ha- having the man that's responsible to you be your man is important when it comes to the decision-making structure. And Armis's job is going to be to focus on that first team and to wring every ounce out of them. And So I, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about what the potential for this could be. You know, Michael Bradley spoke very highly of him. Armis was a was a fascinating guy and a guy that I look forward to talking to more. And you know, perhaps the last point that I would make is that you know, for anybody who was who was really looking forward to a big name and and you know all the flash and glitz that comes with that would be that you know with so much uncertainty ahead for this season, you know, we have no idea what the schedule is going to look like. We have no idea if TFC is going to be playing in Toronto, let alone the possibility of labor disputes or whatever it is that ends up coming up this year. You, you need somebody who's going to be flexible and, and know somebody who, who understands the lay of the land. And, you know, we always say it, but MLS is a unique beast in the soccer world. Mm-hmm. And so bringing in somebody that's familiar with drafts and international borders and, and all that sort of thing was just a, 
a step. It was a. It was perhaps the wise move at a time full of such uncertainty. One hundred percent. I, I, I mean, you, can't, you can't ignore what the pandemic has has done uh, here, and uh, uh, you know I think again I think it, it impacted TFC's hunt, but I also think it impacted their decision. Um, uh, can I move? Can I can I do this? My question first. So because you talked a lot about it, you know, do you think? It's obvious that there was a lot of hyperbole from the front office, right? My phone is ringing off the hook. You know, we're getting a clone of Pep and Klopp together. We're going to mash them up together. It's going to be RoboCop. It's going to be the best coach <laughs> in the world. You know? Uh, uh, did you go – you didn't say RoboClop? I did say RoboClop. Oh, okay, and that was, I and that sure, was yeah. yeah. No, I did that on purpose because – Okay, good, 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 good. I copyright that. Um, you know – I wrote here, we expected the moon and got a moon rock, which I think is kind of unfair to Chris Armas. But, um, you know, it, it's occurred to me that that there are certain parts of TFC fandom that won't be happy unless we get RoboClub. And, and while I think that that's great, I also think it's exhausting because trying to explain um, a certain perspective that, you know, we were never in the market for for more, for uh, Klopp and... and, and Pochettino and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people define that as a big club. So there's, there needs to, I think maybe we need to separate a big MLS club with a big soccer club, which isn't necessarily. A Jeff, what's your question? Sorry. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that the hyperbole was smart or do you think that that's the real issue here? Is that, is that they were shooting their mouths off and they, and they created a, a, a the impression of something different than they actually got, and that if they could go back in time, maybe they wouldn't have been so blustery. I I think that the the tricky part here is, you know, I I, I parse everybody's words pretty carefully, and, and I listen closely to what Ali Curtis and what Bill Manning say, and uh, I don't think they ever promised RoboClop. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the the tricky part is is that everybody interprets. Everybody hears what they want to hear when it comes to something like a coaching search. And so saying that his phone is ringing off the hook, it, it could be all, you know, under 12 coaches in Toronto are calling Ali Curtis because they think they're ready to step up to the big time. So, you know, when we hear things like that in a worldwide search, we, we sort of get ahead of ourselves and we get excited. I think the the one thing I would say is that, you know, we probably need a better look inside the process. To, to understand really what's going on. Like if we had found out that, oh, this day he's talking to this person and they're looking at this person, then then those words don't seem like hyperbole. They they seem a little <laughs> bit more plain spoken than, than, you know, the way that our imaginations can run away with us when, when presented with a situation like this. I think the the one tricky part there on top of that is is that, you know, the more that these negotiations, the more that these conversations take part in the media, the more that, it, it colors the way that things turn out. And the TFC in the last couple of years have done a pretty good job of sort of keeping everything in-house, keeping keeping word pretty tight. Uh, I think we were all pretty surprised when Vanny left. And so, you know, I, I think I think to, to get to the bare bones of your question, I, I think they would say that they were just speaking honestly and it wasn't hyperbole and that people ran off with that. And, and the only solution between like sort of speaking plainly and, and people's imaginations is, is to sort of give us a bit more of a play-by-play of what's actually yeah. happening, but nobody's ever going to, you know, reveal their yeah. call details like that. So it's, it's sort of the nature of the game, you know, like I mentioned, I think I joked in Slack that, you know, I hear Sir Alec is available. 
<laughs> but, you know, whether whether that's going to happen or whether that's the right pick for right now or or whether that's just somebody's imagination running away with them is uh it's sort of it's it's half of the hot stove conversation that we have around these things. Absolutely. Good point, James. And like really well said, everything that you've kind of brought here to the conversation. I think you bring some valuable points that people sometimes overlook. Um but I just want to move on. Sort of one of the pieces that you wrote on TorontoFC.ca was was about the young guns, and you know that, that's one of my favorite topics. So, how do, do you think Chris Armis's you know impact here in Toronto FC will will be a good thing for the young guns? Does it change their sort of trajectory, or do you think they're on that same sort of path that any had them on before uh, Armis arrived? Um, it, it's tricky, you know, like every player's path is their own. And the one thing that, that Greg always sort of, you know, Greg Vanny, when I spoke to him about young players, always, always emphasized with me was that no player's progression was ever going to be linear and up. You know what I mean? There are going to be players who, who take a few steps forward for a couple of months and then take a few steps back for a couple of months. And, you know, I look at a guy like Jacob, Jacob Schaffelberg who burst onto the scene in 2019 and, and he was the hot new thing and everybody was loving what he brought to the game. And then 2020, he basically disappeared had a super quiet year and then he's winning penalties for Canada team white or whatever it is that we're calling him in the, <laughs> in the closed match game. And so, you know, I think for every player's individual journey is their own and, and the coaches that come in and, and the opportunities that are given to them can definitely sway the way that things go. But, but it's, it's such a, I, I don't know a ton about this, to be honest, you know, I'm not a coach. I've not been around guys who as they've come up, but it is such a sort of, it, it's such I don't I don't want to say crapshoot because that implies that there's a luck element to it, but it is such a, a mixture of, of determination and hard work and opportunity and, and taking those opportunities that are given to you that really makes the difference for these guys. I think what we do get with Armis is a guy who who has shown some commitment to playing players when they're ready. You know, I think I think it's fair to say that Greg Vanny was a little bit hesitant at times to to give guys minutes when maybe it wasn't what was best for the team, but it was what was best for them. But that too is a balancing act. You know, if, um, if a guy is, is going to be a fact, if your team needs the three points, is it more important that you get the three points or is it more important that you get somebody an hour's worth of time? I do think last year in particular, there was a lot of room for the last 25 minutes or so to to give guys minutes you know you had the five subs just just throw somebody on the game the game i i think what vanny would say is that too often the, the the balance of the game was was hanging there and that would have been a risk that wouldn't have been fair to the rest of the team or to the fans to to perhaps sacrifice a result but you know we look at the tyler adams things and thing and armis himself said that he wasn't sure that that he deserved credit for that tyler was just uh tyler uh but the opportunities will be there for these guys. And, and you know, this year, again, I, I wish we were talking when we had a schedule or had some idea of what this <laughs> would look like. But there's a lot of guys that are really hungry for minutes. But there's there's a lot of first-team senior professionals that are really hungry for minutes, like, that aren't guaranteed guaranteed time on the field. So uh, we're going to have to wait and see. I think what, what I would close with is saying that I think he'll be fair to everybody. And if they if they earn their opportunities, they'll get it. And, and that's, sort of, that's sort of how I interpreted what he said the other day. And, and we'll sort of see see where that goes and try and hold his feet to the fire a little bit if that comes about. And, you know, sooner rather than later, I'll have him talking about TFC2 as well. Let's go. That's what we're all here for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
since uh, since I screwed up the order, I'll, I'll ask my question. Do you do you think TFC signs a DP this window? I think they're shopping for one. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. Um, you know, Pablo Piatti is not going to be returning as a designated player. Um, and Ali Curtis was was pretty plain saying that they're looking for a goal scorer. He did sort of, as an aside, mention last week when we were speaking about Armis that whether it's in this window or whether it's in the summer is something that's sort of up in the air. You know, I, I think it's... It all comes down to who the player is, what their contract situation is, whether they can be allowed to leave for free or whether a fee can be negotiated. You know, we saw back at the start of 2019 that, that Jovinko and Vasquez leaving sort of forced TFC's hand and the three-month saga that was getting Pozuelo over here and, and the large transfer fee that had to be uh, that was required to pry him free. I don't think that was a situation that Toronto would have put themselves in if they were planning for the long term. And and I think that that is very much the way that that Ali Curtis and Bill Manning like to go about things is that they have a plan and they have a you know, <laughs> Ali says the word process as much as anybody I've ever spoken to when it comes to how <laughs> that he goes about doing things. And so, you know, we we know that they are in the market for one. We know that Piatti is not going to be that man. We know that it is a goal scorer, and goal scorers are few and far between, and, and they tend to be expensive. And so. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I can that I can say for certain right now is that they aren't going to rush into making a decision that they think isn't the right one for the team and isn't the right one for this moment. You know, if it if the guy that they nope, I think we lost him. That's okay. I'll I'll finish what what James was saying. There. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I got you, James. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Oh, there you go, James. We got you back. Uh, Actually, it'll save me. There you go, James. Go for it. You you can finish what you're saying. (laughs) Apologies, gentlemen. My phone rang. Uh, 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 Technology. uh, Technology failed me. Um, I would say that they're not going to rush in and make a decision based on getting a body in versus getting the right guy in. And, And to be... To be honest, I think they have a pretty deep roster as as constructed at the moment. And if they have to wait a couple months for somebody else to come in, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. But it would be nice to have something else to talk about, though. So I'm, I'm hopeful <laughs> that they do. <laughs> no way. That's key, though. Like, I think you made a good point that TFC aren't in a rush to, to you know, add a player to help them in, in February, March, even, you know, May going into there like i think tfc understand that they have a roster right now that can definitely compete in the eastern conference um especially if you consider you know potential of josie altador bouncing back in in 2021 but james what i want to ask you is looking at the rest of the tfc roster what are some of the biggest needs that you think aside from a designated player that this team needs i think I think you have to start at the back line and you have to start with a little bit of depth. You know, Chris Mavinga and Omar Gonzalez are, are your ones and your twos and those center back positions right now. Can they play? How, again, I don't know how many matches this year is going to be, yeah. <laughs> going to be comprised of, but can they play every match? Are we going to have the sort of hectic schedule that we had last year? You're going to need some depth right there. You know, Eric Zavaleta and Laurent Simon. Doesn't look like they will be returning at the moment. I wouldn't rule anything out, to be honest. Ali Curtis did mention that, you know, in addition to the DP search, they're going to be looking to fill a couple of spots and possibly send out some guys out on loan and stuff like that. I'm not sure what Julian Dunn's future lies ahead. I, I'm 
you know, whether he is that man, whether he's ready to step up, whether Rocco Romeo is ready to step into that role, or, or do they go out and find, you know, either a, a potentially somebody in this upcoming draft, somebody somebody from outside that can be a younger player, or, or another veteran guy that's going to step in and be able to, to sop up some minutes here and there. So, you know, I think when I look at the, the current roster, I think that central defense is, is a real key need area. Depending on what happens with Justin Morrow, you know, some, some fullback depth will probably be something that's on the shopping list. And then, you know, I would probably look at some somewhere in the wide attacky, attacking positions. If, if Paolo Piatti is not coming back, you're going to need somebody that can chip in some goals, somebody that can, can add a little bit there. But, you know, that said, they do have a lot of young guys that are, are ready for their chance. You know, Jaden Nelson, Schaffelberg, all those sort of guys. So, uh you know, I think I think the roster stands at like twenty five or twenty six players as Even is. More, so there's yeah. there's not a lot of room to to make very many additions, and they've got a lot of internal guys that are that are pretty hungry for their chances. You know, Jordan Perutz is a guy that that we're looking forward to seeing this year that they signed, uh, you know, halfway through last year for this season. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty solid team. I'd say the only real need is is that center back and, and possibly a fullback if Morrow is uh, is not returning. No, I agree with you, James, and I think we've spoken about that. I think TFC need another center back because Julian Dunn's the third center back on their death chart right now, and even Rocco Romeo, he's on loan until June overseas there in Denmark. So they, mm-hmm. they only have three center backs technically on their roster, and one of them only has one game of MLS experience. Um, and, and then what obviously, a game that was. Yeah, what <laughs> a game that was, really, as an 18-year-old or 17-year-old being let yeah. up 5-6-1 against the Houston Dynamo. Uh, definitely not fun for uh, Julian Dunn there. But also left back, you mentioned uh, they have no natural really left back on, on their roster, I think. And, um, you know, no Griffin Dorsey was touted to be one for the future who could de- potentially even fill that role. Um, but beyond that, I, I really don't you think... guys who have disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really don't think that there's uh, there's too much depth there. Obviously, Oro or Richie can play on that side, but they definitely need someone at left back, I think, if they want to play a, a four at the back or even five at the back. Um, and then that that winger, is, I think, is is huge, especially if you're not bringing back Piatti. And you mentioned that they need goals out of that, that winger. That's going to be tough if it's not Piatti because they are a little bit tied up against that salary budget. Um, so perhaps it is going to be those youngins that are going to have to step up and maybe fill that void there in the wing. And hey, <laughs> they're looking pretty good at Canada camp, Mitch. I think you want to mm-hmm. ask James about yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a perfect segue into my question. You know I would have... we do. <laughs> yeah, I'm always going to uh, ask you at least something about the Canadian men's national team. And uh, putting a Toronto FC spin on it, though, who are you kind of keeping an eye on? Obviously, pretty tough to keep any sort of eye on anyone at camp, but, you know, <laughs> stuff gets out, that sort of thing. Um, we got... 15 second clip of you know some some highlights from an inter squad scrimmage game. Hopefully, um, you know some some other game actions later on in the camp as well. But who are you? You know who who do you think uh, kind of needs this camp right now to to boost their stock in, in Toronto FC circles? In TFC circles, it's tricky because the the two guys that I find most interesting, you know, Noble Akello. And Ralph Friso, two guys mm-hmm. that you know, Noble has the physique to to go wherever he wants to go in this game. And Ralph had the composure last year, making his debut. That sort of makes you feel like he would be undaunted in any situation. 
but they both play the position that is perhaps the one position at TFC that does not require somebody to step in and just minutes. So, so that's yeah. going to be really tough for both of those guys to break in. You know, we saw, you know, Marky Delgado missed a fair bit of last year. Jonathan Osorio missed a fair bit of last year. If you can find some way of, of if Armas is playing with the three, finding ways to get those guys games every once in a while, I think that's going to be super important for, for the health of the club long term and also for the team this year is to have extra guys chipping in in the middle of the park. Um, you know, I still think that Jaden Nelson is perhaps the most MLS ready of that group in terms of a guy that can come in and make an almost immediate impact. We saw it in sort of glimpses last year, that same sort of fearlessness and that ability to, to dance around guys. He was a little bit raw, but one thing he, he's never been afraid of is putting in the work that's required. And so I'm really curious to see where he goes this year. And, you know, of course, Schaffelberg, we all we all love our Jacob Schaffelberg. And, you know, he, he very much was on the sidelines last year. And, and I think that was an intentional message from Banny in terms of, you know, Schaffelberg's one move was to push the ball past the guy and to beat him around the outside. And that's all well and good when you're playing against teenagers or against young professionals. But once you once you step onto the professional game, they're going to learn pretty quick what your one trick is. Mm -hmm. They're not going to let you do that. And so I know Schaffelberg was tasked by Vanny with with learning to go inside. He he wanted him to add that different element to the game to be able to mix it up and to be able to handle the physicality that you need when you can't just push the ball past somebody and sprint past them. And so to see whether that year. Of, of being able to work on that has really allowed him to develop as a player is something I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to see. You know, based on his penalty win in that 10 second clip that we saw the other day, it's, mm -hmm. it's entirely possible. I do believe it was a little further infield than around the outside. So I mean, that's, <laughs> that's as much uh, I'm taking as much hope from those that one clip as we can for him. And and you know, Jaquiel is just uh, it's it's a fascinating case of of um, you know, if if you're good enough, if you're young enough, if you're good enough, what, what's that saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a catchier yeah. way of saying it. Yeah, way. way catchier, but I yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's we need John Herdman on here. He says it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I misplaced um, my soccer idioms. Uh, 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 <laughs> so yeah. you know, it's gonna pop into my head the second we we end. Oh, I know. But, uh, I know. Yeah. Um, to see what, what he can do. You know, we saw very, very little of him. And, and he's a guy that barely even played for TFC2 back in the, back in his, before signing his professional contract. He was more of a TFC3, TFC, uh, you know, whatever, U15 or whatever it is that they call that group, TFC7, I believe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Eric's got it. If you're good enough, yeah. you're old enough. Thanks, Eric. Oh, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, to see to see where where he goes, you know, uh, fascinating young guy, really promising talent, and and uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see a little bit more of him. But uh, I think I would say with all these guys, let's give them their chances, but let's also be patient with them. You know? Yeah, we misquote one thing, and all of a sudden the comments section comes alive. Well, well, <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody, <laughs> let us know. But, yeah, no, I think it's yeah, it's a it's a big year for the young guns because you know it's not necessarily a clean slate when a new coach comes in because obviously Curtis is here and we have the or like the 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 most of the management structure is still the same and we'll have their you know their say in the players but there's definitely opportunities this year with a new coach for for a lot of these young guys and a lot of different players to 
um, take a step forward. So James, I think we'll we'll let you go here, but thank you so much for for joining us as always. My pleasure. Good to see Thanks, everybody. James. Uh, take Good care. Stay face. safe. All that, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll have some soccer to look forward to sooner rather than later. Let's go. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, uh, no. We got a we, we got, got a charge for that, man. We, and it, like that's some that's some valuable insight. And oh I, yeah, yeah. Anytime <laughs> James comes on, like we learn so much. So oh, uh, shout cool. out to James. Thank you for doing that. Um, and yeah, we see all you guys in the comments. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is anybody talking about Achara? I think that's George Armstrong saying that. And mm-hmm. um, that's an interesting shout because right winger. We need you know Pablo's mm-hmm. gone. We're, we're talking time, about baby. We, need, we need goals yeah. at a high clip, right? And mm-hmm. Achara kind of fills that that bold. But he he suffered his ACL injury in July, um, and usually for for things like that, I would say like nine months is mm-hmm. sort of that that timeline for for when you're expected to come back. But by all accounts, Achara has been like beyond his 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 timeline. He's been ahead of his timeline. Um, so perhaps there is a chance that we do see Achara, you know, sometime early earlier in the season. I again, I, I think January. Well, seeing him early in the season, early. Last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think January <laughs> might be a little bit too early, but hey, I could be wrong about that. And perhaps he he does prove us wrong and shows up ready, ready and hungry to you know fight for his spot because I don't think anyone's giving anything to Achara even when he comes back. I think he has to come back and earn that. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of, you know, fitness level he's in when he does come back. With those mm-hmm. injuries, you always have to be a, a little careful because you saw with Piatti or a guy like Ricardo on uh, My Leicester City who, who's coming back to fitness, right? They'll come back maybe for like one game or so. And then j- just because of the way the injury is and and how, you know, you can't really work out properly all the other um ligaments and little things around that a lot of a lot of minor pulls that sort of thing so it might be a little stop start when achara comes back just based on the injury um i know well, dr. management dr. that's dr. dr tej is cheering me somewhere with this assessment. <laughs> or, or, or he's mortified one of the two <laughs> but but yeah no I, I i certainly think achara will end up being a big part of toronto FC next season it's just you know it might not be he might not necessarily hit the ground running for for lack of a better uh, better term there yeah. um but i did want to talk a little bit about piatti as you mentioned because you know you had that question uh michael at the end of the the armist press conference there and piatti's an interesting one to me you know they it, it seems like they are still talking to him i just think he would be such a good fit for the armist system because we know he's a high action player we know he's he was one of the best Toronto FC players in terms of pressing opposing players in terms of winning the ball back last year. Obviously it's the financials that make it important. And, you know, I don't think he's an irreplaceable player, but you know, proof of concept, certainly we know he works in the Toronto FC system. Uh, what are your thoughts on that whole situation, Michael, and, and you know, where it goes from here? Yeah. Um, thanks for the question. That That's pretty, like, I think the bar has been set. For when it comes to Pablo Piatti, and in in saying that, I mean in the, the TFC's hunt for a designated player, so Pablo Piatti came in. He scored four goals, four assists, and I want to say maybe seventeen games, something like that. I don't have the, the exact number of games off the top of my head, but 
it wasn't as much tangible production as we wanted in his in his first season here, but he linked up so well with with Alejandro Pozuelo. He filled the need on the roster that no one else really could, and that was just being a consistent winger who who could really offer anything and keep possession. He he was capable, you know, if he if he had to, he could take someone on one v one. So Pablo Piatti is going to be someone I think this team potentially misses fairly fairly well if they mm-hmm. a lot if they can't you know, bring him back. Um, although, you know, Ali Curtis did say that they are playing a little bit of phone tag and, you know, they still are having those conversations to potentially bring Pablo back as His a non-designated player. Off, huh? Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> having a glass of wine together, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but I don't know, man. Like, Pablo's willingness to go through that MLS re-entry draft, I think it shows that he he's at least considering other options. Um, and if that's the case, then I think the old, again, the only way he comes back to Toronto is that he's on a hometown discount. And mm-hmm. if, if he wants to do that, I'm, I'm all for it, but it's, it's not written out by any means. Like it's not off the table by any means. Like it's definitely still possible. It's just, again, he would have to be taking that discount and that's, that's something you got to hope for as a TSC fan, as opposed to expect. Mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting you know, obviously the DP tag changes everything. But when we signed him, we were worried about him being healthy. And and that was the premier worry. And aside from a couple of knocks, I mean, he really proved his naysayers wrong. You know, we oh, were yeah. him. And he there were many times that he was the fittest player on the team. Let's uh-huh. be honest. Um, so then, and then the goalposts kept moving, right? Like, it's like, well, okay, he wasn't injured all the time, but now we need him to score goals at an RN Robin kind of rate. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't think we've been unfair to Pablo, but I do, I, I have noticed that the metrics for, for his success or failure have kept changing. And again, that's kind of the curse of the DP tag in this league. Mm-hmm. For sure. Right. And I, go ahead, Mitch. Well, I will also say, I think Josie's lack of production hurt him as well, because, you know, when you have two designated players who between them put up what six goals four assists very good point yeah like like then it then it just gets blown bigger you know if if Josie's out there scoring 10 15 goals this past season and and doing what we know Josie is capable of and what he's proven in the past then I think we maybe aren't having the same conversation it's different because then Pablo is playing his role um and you know there's there's less of a need for him to to be that guy but when, when they don't have Josie you know, when they can't rely on Josie to consistently score goals, they need someone else who can. And, you know, Pablo mm-hmm. has proven at minimum to not be that guy. That's that's such a good shout. It's such a good shout, man. Yeah, yeah, you found the words for that perfectly. It's just, like, I, what, what really caught me off guard is TFC saying how badly that they needed goals when they're looking for a designated player because mm-hmm. you ha- you think about who you have on, on your roster, and that's Io Akinola, who scored the most goals per 90 minutes in all of MLS last MLS last season is going to get another year older. And then you also have Josie Altidore, who's supposed to be one of the most prolific goal scorers in MLS. And, you know, he's second on the team's all time scoring charts for a reason. And, and then you think about the impact that Pablo Piatti made in his first season. I don't think anybody's really disappointed by that, by, you know, like obviously you'd want him to stay on the field towards the end of the season a little bit more, but Hey, he played in that playoff game. He played, I don't, I don't remember what the stretch of games was, but a bunch of consecutive games in in, in a short turnaround time. Um, would again, I brought this up on one of our previous shows. I think I'd 
rather see Piatti as a designated player going into next season than Altor, if Altor is going to be the 2020 version of himself. Um, so if we're, you know, bringing Piatti down as sort of that designated player, then shouldn't we look at Josie Altador as well? Uh, especially if his job is to solely provide goals. Um, so that that that's where the disconnect is, is for mm-hmm. me. Is I, I think like TFC doesn't necessarily need goals from a designated player. They need goals from a specific designated player. Yeah, yeah, a specific designated yeah. player. And that's, that's Josie Altador. So, you know, let's say TFC turned around, they, they want goals. Are they bringing in another striker? Does that make sense whatsoever to compete with Iowa Canola, Josie Altador, Jordan Perus, you know, et cetera, and Patrick Mullen, mm-hmm. the list goes on, Achari. I think that's why there. we're still stuck on this window. So, idea, so we don't what, kind of, what kind of player then are you, are you looking for? Are you looking for a number 10 who can provide goals? Probably not because mm-hmm. you have Alejandro Pozuelo. So if you're not going to be looking for a striker, you're not looking for that that number 10, what position are you looking for to provide goals? And that's winger. Yeah. the winger, no? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Unless I'm, I'm missing something there and nope. maybe maybe taking some leaps. But so then if that, that winger, that bar is, has to be Pablo Piatti. And again, I will go back to it. I don't think Pablo had a bad season last year. So I think the pressure is sort of on TFC here to, you know, one up Piatti. And that's not going to be an easy task. Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely not. The, the, the one thing I will say that kind of makes that task a little bit easier and um, is is this, you know, the fact that Chris Armis, I think, was brought in as someone who will kind of agree with Ali Curtis's decisions in a way. Like, we know there was at least a little bit of a conflict between Greg Banny and, and Ali in terms of, you know, the, the players they wanted, the personnel. Um, I think him and no. I think Curtis and Armis are mostly on the same page with with this and I think that will speed up new recruitment right because you know th- there won't be a new coach coming in for example like probably a Laurent Blanc who would have really wanted his own players Neymar, and, Neymar and, yeah. Wanted yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly he would have well not that caliber of player but probably like he no, would have he would have and then we would have to explain to him that right. that's not happening in this or any <laughs> other universe um but uh there's been a lot of ink about this 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 fast this aspect of the Armas hire, which is that you know he doesn't get to decide about the roster in any way, shape, and form. I I don't like speaking in absolutes, so mm-hmm. I don't I don't necessarily think that that's the case. He's certainly got his not at all. Table, no, 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 not at all. What I mean, and I also I also have a problem with um, the the idea that you know the the three of them in lockstep is somehow you know this 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 wonderful new wrinkle in, in soccer tactics. I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but if I'm a head coach and my GM keeps coming with players and I say, no, they're all crap. I'm not going to be that head coach for a lot longer. Right. Like, because I'm not agreeing with my GM and, and whether or not we're in lockstep, that's just corporate culture. Right. When your boss says, you know, I know you wanted the laser printer, but I got you the dot matrix one. You make do with the dot matrix one for a little while until everybody else in the office is saying, you know, I think this was a bad decision because the lineup at the printer is, you know, four hours long. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just I don't like speaking in absolutes. I don't like this, the, the concept that like somehow, um, you know, we're, we're going from one mutually exclusive thing to another mutually exclusive thing. It's a new for sure. a new era. But oh, I don't. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah no. I don't I think, think anyone really disagrees with you there, Jeff. Yeah. Um, Armis is he's going to bring a freshness but he he still is going to 
be provided with a team that's that's consistent that's been consistent mm-hmm. the last couple of years. I mean, I don't think TFC's identity um, in their roster is changing. I think they're, they we're going to see a lot of consistency in the roster between like this year and next year. I think aside from a few pieces, as James kind of went over there earlier on the show. But I think Armas is going to be tasked with getting the best out of this roster, and it's going to be interesting pitting that against what Greg Vandy did with this roster because it's going to be very similar, um, aside from maybe a Piatti or another piece here and there. Yeah, I guess the, forgetting about Gallardo and, and, and Armstrong. Hey, no, no time for Gallardo. I saw that. I tried to ignore it as best I could. We have no time for Erickson Gallardo this week. I guess to just kind of distill my thoughts better is just that Toronto FC. You know, they believe they're close. And, and I, I think, you know, I, I yeah. agree with them. I think they are yeah. very close to being, you know, the, the MLS Cup contender that, I mean, they were an MLS Cup contender last year, no doubt about it, even if it didn't go well in the playoffs. I think they're very close. And I think they brought in a guy who's not going to try and change too much um, in, in a lot of different ways. He'll, he'll build on what they've already built here and, you know, just add that hopefully last little bit um, that can take them to where that they want to go, and yeah, exactly mm-hmm. that little spark. And uh, I think that's why the Chris Armis hire, you know, makes makes so much sense if it fully works out, is because that's the kind of coach he is versus some of the other options they would have brought in. But make no, no mistake, it's a gamble. It's oh, a, it's, for sure, it's a gamble, and I think we should definitely get that out there. Is that mm-hmm. um, he he's got to be perceived as sort of this even though we are calling it a, a gamble, he's, he's almost a safe hire in the sense that he, he has that MLS experience. Ali Curtis is familiar with him and, you know, TFC has that consistent roster and with all this uncertainty in next season, MLS, you want someone who, who understands the league. So um, it's a little safe, but at the same time, Hey, if that doesn't work out, <laughs> it's good. It's not going to be all roses from, from TFC live and all the TFC fan base because mm-hmm. There, there's there's, there's going to be a target, and I don't think it's going to be yeah. Chris Armas. I take one issue with the safe hire thing, and this is a point that I keep bringing up, and that is him coming in on the heels of Danny to try and keep the ship sailing is, in essence, essentially what he did after Jesse Marsh in New York Red Bull. So mm-hmm. there is a matter of historical context here, right? He is, he is trying to... Uh, 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 redeem himself for for a, a very similar situation that's not not too it, far back in the rear view. In a sense, yeah, I think TFC do want you know more Armist, less Vanny, kind of moving forward as opposed to the Red Bull situation where I think they just they didn't want Jesse Marsh, Jesse Marsh sort of yeah. the part. Yeah, they yeah. just wanted Jesse yeah. Marsh. I think TFC does know <laughs> what they're going to be getting in, in Chris Armist. Yeah, yeah. Or note to make, but it, it's a fair point. I mean, Armist had his chance at the Red Bulls. Um, he, I don't want to say he did. He, he definitely didn't do poorly because I don't. He didn't. That, I was that's a, just, yeah, supporter shield fact. is not poor. Yeah, exactly. And you know the seventh best winning percentage of all time, and that's a better winning percentage than Greg Vanny has, I believe. Yeah. Um, so like there are like some of that narrative is definitely overblown that Armis is uh, like failed completely at Red Bulls because that's just not the mm-hmm. case. He was at a playoff position when he was he was let go. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, that as Mitch kind of alluded to, there's a little bit of a disconnect in his philosophy and what was, you know, being put out onto the field there with Red Bulls. And I think that that grew over into frustration. And they sold all his players. Yeah. And that's also important to mention is that the resources that Armas had at Red Bulls was 
enormously lower than, tremendously lower than it was with uh, Toronto FC. And yeah. I think I wrote this in my notebook. TFC is traditionally as one of the t- top three, top five, if not the most, the highest spending club in all of MLS. And New York Red Bulls are traditionally, you know, one of the lowest. I think they were bottom three the last couple of seasons. So mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. going from like the bottom to the top. And I don't know. I'm excited, at least intrigued to to see what he can do with that, you know, new new set of toys. Absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I think we should wrap up the show here. But again, oh, we're going to talk down. about Gallardo because we're getting. No, we're not Gallardo. talking about. Gallardo. <laughs> <laughs> there's never, never, there's, we we'll get nowhere <laughs> talking about Gallardo right now. But yeah, no, I think it just it, <laughs> it just comes down to prove it, right? Like that's mm. that's that's what this all boils down to. We won't know anything until Armis gets his team on the field. We see what Ali Curtis has planned for for the next set of players coming in. Um, George, what I will say is. I have something coming out on Erickson Gardo. Like, uh, I have a little piece coming out, and Erickson Gardo's name's in it. Um, yep. yeah, just keep an eye out for that because I'll, I'll write some some words there for you for about Erickson Gardo. <laughs> Leave him wanting more. That's exactly what we do here <laughs> on Waking the Red Weekly. Um, yeah, always uh, always great to catch up with James Grassi as we did this week. Um, oh wow infinite wisdom on Toronto FC and all things Canadian soccer. So really appreciate him for sharing it with us. Uh, thanks to Kevin and Sophia, Chris again for, for the new graphic and on behalf of Jeff and Michael, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. And as always till next Tuesday. Cheers guys. We'll see you next week. Uh-huh.